You're listening to the Sensuality Project Podcast, where the messiness of real life gets sexy, hosted by Stacey Herrera. This podcast is intended for mature audiences only. Episodes contain profane language and topics of a sexual nature that may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is strongly advised. Welcome back to the Sensuality Project Podcast. I'm your host, Stacey Herrera. Thank you for joining me again for episode number four. I'm so excited. I, I know I say that every week, but I'm so excited. I'm loving this so much. My guest today is Hillary Booker. Oh my goodness. Let me just begin by saying that my friend Biba Atta, who was in episode number one, actually introduced me to Hillary. And I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Hillary is smart and insightful. She is in tune with her body. She's in tune with nature. She's connected to the feminine. And and even more than that, she's an intellectual. So it's not like you often find women that are in tune with themselves and with everything around them that are also really intellectual. And Hillary is like all the things. She is funny, and our conversation was so expansive because there were a few things, a few of my own quirks that I've always kind of felt like nobody got them, and Hillary got it. Like, she, we just vibed. Like, we related on so many levels. I'm super excited about the work that she's doing because she is committed to moving everyone forward. Like she's committed to getting in the trenches and talking to the people that are often ignored and exposing the amazing things that are happening on the ground level. I won't tell you much more because I want you to listen to the episode, but Hillary is just amazing. I'm just in love with her, so smitten, and I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did, so I'm just going to stop talking so that you could listen, okay? Do you experience spontaneous or responsive arousal most often? Um, Responsive. Me too. I mean, every now and then, you know, it's interesting. I experience more spontaneous arousal when I am by myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but I say, you know, it actually happens to me. So I'm a researcher. Right? I have a PhD. I, you know, I'm a writer and academic. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I start to get too deeply intellectual, mm-hmm. I will start to become aroused. So you are definitely more, uh, more of a sapiosexual. I'm absolutely a sapiosexual. If you can, if you cannot get to my, that's it's very difficult for me to find people because if you can't get to my mind, then you're not going to get to my vagina. Well, and, and you know, and the buzz wears off faster if yeah. the person doesn't, you know, experience oh, like yeah. really stimulate yep. you. Even if there's like yep. a physical attraction, the buzz, right. like the period of oh my god, every life is so beautiful. Rather than it being, you know, six months to a year, it might be like 30 days to two weeks. Not even. Like, like literally, if I can have a conversation with you, you will not have any chance. Like, there's no chance. There's there's not even 30 minutes. Like, if you can't, if I can have a conversation, then this this is never going to happen. 
I love that. I definitely, well, I can override my physiology at first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can override it at first. Yeah. And of course, if alcohol is involved. Well, yeah, when alcohol is involved, then it can be different. But, yeah, but mostly for any kind of long term. But even so, even so, even with alcohol involved, if I can't have a conversation about something and I can talk yes. about all sorts of stuff, right? Like I have a very broad level of interest and type of interest, but mm-hmm. yeah, if I can't talk to you if, about something at the level, and I also, I tend to be, and this is something that I've had to learn about myself is that I don't think to me, I'm just me, but other people are always like, man, that's too deep. You're going too mm-hmm. deep. And I'm like, that's just me. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> Depth is the way to go. It is. You know, it's interesting that you say that. I just wrote a quote down, like right before we started chatting, Mm -hmm. from a personal ad in LA Weekly from like 1979. And this is so you that says, I don't want a physical relationship. I just want someone to fuck with my mind. (laughs) Absolutely. That is totally me. That is totally me. Yes. I just, where did I just pull this out of a book? Um, Oh, it's a book called, uh, if you may have read it, The The Compass of Pleasure. I have not, but I'm going to write it down. Yeah, I can't think of the author's name right now, but it's very, um, it's really about the, like, research around, like, the things that create pleasure inside of the brain, mm-hmm. like, neurologically, so sex and drugs and mm-hmm. different things. Yeah, well, you'll, dopamine. Yes. Dopamine. Yes, you'll Just, appreciate that. I will absolutely like that. Okay, so my second question is, if orgasm is a neurological response, look, and I didn't know that you were a researcher when I wrote this part. Okay. <laughs> look, how intuitive of me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so if orgasm is a neurological response, which means that it's possible to have an orgasm without physical stimulation, and that being said, what thoughts cause your body to turn on um i can have an orgasm without stimulation you can I you can. have to talk about it I've, i haven't ever been able to do it okay i can do it um but what gets me there um i think when i like if i meet someone who's really interesting I say, yeah, I would say if I meet someone who's really interesting, definitely, like I said, if I'm really deep into writing something, if I'm in a deeply intellectual space, then I can have, I can stop and have this physical bodily response and have an orgasm without any kind of simulation at all. That is amazing. (laughs) I am impressed. (laughs) And I think that's something that probably a lot of people would shock a lot of people about me. Mm-hmm. I think that's amazing. Do you find that is it as is it as physically pleasurable as a, a physically stimulated orgasm? I would in some ways it is. In some ways it's different. I and mean, when you think about because I also from a from a a purely um like, well, it is different. It's kind of like a gentle wave. Mm-hmm. 
and to and to me there's something that is very there there is something that's very pleasurable about that you know you think about the difference between an ocean and being you know pulled over in the ocean and that feels really good mm-hmm. but there's also something about you know just having a very gentle wave wash over you and that's kind of how mm-hmm. those types of orgasms are i get that I, yeah i have well i have there i can i'm very multi-orgasmic but yeah if I the, me too, the one, I, and I have like levels. It's like yes, yes. So there's like <laughs> the ones that come in quick cessation. Yes. Like the ones yep. that come really fast are much yep. more of that, you know, ocean bob kind of yep. thing. Yeah. But then there are the ones that come crashing, and on those, right. it's like, don't fucking touch me. I need it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love that. Okay, so now I'm going to describe. I'm going to give you three descriptors and you tell me what the object is. Okay. Okay. You stick your poles up inside of me. You tie me down to get me up and I get wet before you do. What am I? Can you say it again? You stick your poles up inside of me. You tie me down to get me up. I get wet before you do. I don't know. A tent. Oh, yeah. You know what I was going to say was an umbrella, but then I was like. That would have worked, though. Yeah, I was going to say an umbrella, but it wasn't. The part yeah. That, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I never get those right. I, in fact, only one person that I've um, chatted with so far w- got it, like, spot on. I can't remember awesome. what I asked her, but I was like, okay. that. Ne- I, I never get those. Yeah. Because I immediately start thinking sexual. Sex, yeah. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, me? I don't know. Yeah, I immediately (laughs) get sexual. So I love, look, now I'm thinking about, look, I'm thinking about having an orgasm with thinking. Because now that's where my head is at. Right, you know, I think, you know why I think that it happens during these deeply intellectual times is because it requires this certain level of focus, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like a deep focus on a really tiny, minute detail, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's something about that that I can I have the ability, the capacity to generate an immense amount of focus that's extremely concentrated in an extremely small concentrated area. Um, and I think that that's you know it automatically you know my head starts to get blown and then it's like the energy has to go somewhere. Yeah, and it just goes straight to my clitoris. So. I love that. Yeah. Look, I I don't think I have that kind of focus. (laughs) You know, like I know, like even, even in meditation, if I'm meditating for an hour, it probably took me 15 minutes to get into the meditation. You know what? It's kind of like what I was saying. It's kind of the opposite of meditation, Mm -hmm. right? Because the, the idea behind meditation is to have zero focus Mm -hmm. essentially. Um, That's the opposite of that. Having complete focus. Yeah, I think that I have neither in either direct. I'm a Libra too. Okay. So, <laughs> so I'm definitely, I am probably equal parts. You know, right. That's um, what I was going to say. Whatever you can do one end, you can do on the other end. Yep. So Yeah, that's totally me. I'm always yeah. kind of hanging out in the, in the middle, in the yeah. sacks. Yeah. So how do you feel about, how do you feel about the relationship that, women, we as women have been conditioned to have with our bodies? 
How do I feel about it? Yeah, like, what are your thoughts? Like, I mean, especially now, where now, like, feminism is a, is a new, like, has a new voice that, right. you know, didn't exist before. So people are talking about it. Body love is, like, a big right. thing. I, like, self-love is the new Black. Like, right. you know, like, all of these different languagings are, are happening. Um, I found that there's some pieces missing like I almost feel like there's a depth that's missing. It feels so surface. Um, but I know like we don't come, we didn't come like that. Like, you know, we arrived to the planet completely immersed and connected with our physical selves. We right. go wherever sensation is, our attention right. is there. We have no qualms about touching something or ourselves. And then it gets unlearned because of course the women in our environment are largely not really living in their bodies. Right. And then we get to, you know, however the certain age is and our body starts like clubbing us over Mm -hmm. the head to pay attention. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, look at me, look at me. Um, We, we lose our ability to really capture our own intuition because Mm -hmm. intuition speaks through the body. Mm -hmm. Um, So like, what do you, when you're in the midst of just your regular life and you see the disconnection, because it's so blatant sometimes, like all the time. It's yeah. Like, what do you think about it? How do you feel about it? Is, is it something you feel like if, if there was a thing to do, what is that? What is it? What is the thing to do to to help that you mean? Yeah, like if if you were talking to one like young woman, maybe she's mm-hmm. maybe she's twenty five, so she's beyond mm-hmm. the age of peer pressure in that capacity. Right. But she's right in the space of you know your body comes online in a big way, you know, mm-hmm. in the middle of the twenties, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. but not really knowing how to language it or feeling like she almost should suppress that part of herself. Right. I am definitely not for suppression. I am all for expression. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and people coming to, to define, I'm all about people define the aspect of their lives, the way that feels good to them. So, but I also feel like, um, as women, if we don't connect with our wombs and our womb spaces, and if we don't connect with, our pleasure and, you know, our, you know, our clitoris, our entire reproductive system, then like you said, that is the seat of intuition. And we can't actually know what feels good until we can connect with that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I really believe that really strongly. And I think it's really important for, it, it makes, it makes me feel very sad. I think just generally the suppression of intuition because intuition is a huge part of my life. It's a huge part of what I do. It's a huge part of who I am um, and a huge part of my work. I also, um, in my own work, you know, it's about the relationship between the bodies we're in and the bodies we're on. So I'm an earth-based lifestyle coach. And a huge part of that is connecting our bodies that we're in with the body that we're on. And I believe, again, that the root, you know, the root to understanding the earth and how the the earth feels and acts and interacts with us and um, behaves is, you know, between our legs. That's that is the root. You're like for women, all for of women my language. Men, it is the way that women can find there. It's also the only way men can get there, mm-hmm. right? So they have to have they have to understand that space in order to understand the earth. And so I believe there's a direct link between 
you know, the pleasure of women and eco spirituality, eco sensuality, eco understanding, um, and a direct link between violence against women and violence against the earth. Um, yes, uh, you're speaking all, you're speaking my language different than I speak it, but I get okay. it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I think that, um, I'm glad you brought up violence against uh, men and women. I believe, because I believe that our emotions are really, we experience them through our nervous system. Like, but right. so often the way that we are learned, if, if I don't mm-hmm. even know that we're learned it, actually. Right. I think that the way that we interpret mm-hmm. emotion, it, we think that it's just a thought and that it's just something that lives in your head. Right. Except for every thought ha- creates a sensation. And yes. so we experience the emotions through our right. neurological system. And oftentimes our our nervous system doesn't have the capacity for what we need to experience. Right. And I think that's in large part to the fact that we are all suffering from touch deprivation. <laughs> well, absolutely. Absolutely. And I actually, that's a huge thing for me. I was saying yesterday to a friend, you know, um, again, coming from a very intellectual space, I said, I think a lot of things could be healed if just those people were touched. Actually, I'm in the process of, you know, I have a lot of things kind of lined up in terms of where I want to be moving, um, in the future. And one of those things is to, um, do some sort of, uh, be trained in some sort of talk touch therapy, mm-hmm. um, some sort of massage, like craniosacral massage, or even kind of maybe, kind of merge my own, um, you know, talking through massage, um, because I just find that that's such a powerful way of having people reach their feelings. I I don't think that we can reach our, our emotions and our emotional body without touch our emotional body and soothe our emotional body. If our physical body has not been touched and our physical body hasn't been soothed, then, you know, all of, there's all kinds of new, neuroscience that's coming out and alternative health research that is demonstrating, you know, research, especially on trauma, mm-hmm. um, the extent to which we store our intellectual, emotional, and spiritual pain within the tissues of our body. I mean, very literally. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I wholeheartedly believe that. And I really think that in terms of like violence, well, for one, I think, and, and I can speak to American culture because that's where I am, right. <laughs> but right. men have a huge touch deficit yeah. because when they get to a certain age, nobody mm-hmm. really touches them. Right. There's like all these rules around. And they're consent, not allowed to touch. Right. right? Exactly. All these rules around like in the workplace, you can't graze yep. a shoulder yep. or touch a hand yep. or anything. And yep. so I think that men don't have language for the fact that right. what they're really saying often when they, um, when they're these, and I'm not condoning the aggression against right. other people, no, I, yep. you know, but when, I think often what their bodies are really saying is I am fucking famished. Yep. Yep. I need to touch. And now I don't even have, like, it's so intense now that I don't even have the wherewithal to be able to do it in a way that's healthy for you because now I need to hoard it. Right. And I, I totally agree with that. And, and I also, I have a little bit of a soft spot for the emotional development of men and for, you know, I, I, I can't do the man hating thing, I guess, because I can see it's too clear that exactly what you're saying is true. You know, that 
men really need to be, to, you know, and again, there's research that's now coming out to show mm-hmm. how emotional men are, you know, um, I was communicating with somebody recently about, you know, some of the, she and I have been receiving some similar kinds of messages about the divine masculine and what the divine masculine really looks like. And it's a much more um, emotional energy, you know, than I think a lot of people would guess. And so, yeah, I, I think there's a lot to be said for that everyone needs more touch. And, and I think there are, in some ways, I think there are too many rules. And I understand why the rules are what they are um, in terms of professional workplace, things like that. But, and I think, you know, there's so many men who really need to be touched. Men need to be nurtured, just like women need to be nurtured. Men need to have their backs rubbed, their hair played with, like, they need and want all of those. And I'm also a very touchy person. So I think I've discovered this just because I get real touchy around men. Um, but it's, they want that in the same way. Like there's that same, I see that same sort of gentleness come out of a man after he's been touched in a really compassionate, loving, gentle way. You know, it's a completely, I see huge energy shifts. So I think that's really important. Imagine how different just in like high energy jobs where there's a high level of stress. Let's Mm -hmm. on the trading floor, right? Which which is a very male dominated environment. But imagine how different that energy would be if they had like, you know, two minute hugs. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, two minute hugs, like, a, you know, a couple of times a day right. or whatever, even, you know, um, I, I, it, cause there is, I've seen that visceral shift. Yes. And when yep. you like, especially if he's like fired up yeah, and you're like, Come yep. here, it yep. changes, it dissipates so quickly, Yeah, but they're not allowed. Right. They're not allowed. And, and, and I also, I, it's not that I don't understand why the rules are there also, but I, I can't help but wonder if the rules are creating the problem. Well, I, I would absolutely say that in my opinion, they are a huge piece of the problem mm-hmm. because then it just, what you resist persists, right? So wherever there's resistance to something, there's, less of an opportunity for exploration in healthy and consensual ways. Right. So. Yeah. And I think because the emotions again are part of the neurological system, mm-hmm. it, I think that there has to be, a, and, and I'm not a researcher. This is just me making yeah. dots connect in my, in, in my neural cortex. That's also, that's also research. <laughs> but, but I have to believe that there is a direct correlation between, you know, the men's touch being deprived, them being Mm -hmm. touch deprived and their emotions being suppressed. Those two together create the perfect cocktail for aggression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we see that with, you know, sociopaths and, you know, people like Hitler and Stalin and they study their childhoods, right? It's because they experienced levels of um, you know, lack of touch or violence from their mothers or violence from their fathers, that there is all kinds of research out there that demonstrates that that's true. And yet we still continue to, yeah. you know, 
put down men. It's like, yeah, like really? don't, act, don't like, don't act like a girl. Exactly. You know, don't you dare cry like a pussy. Exactly. Or be a sissy or whatever it is. Yeah. On the planet. Like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's really sad. It's really sad. Mm. I, I, I speak often to women and I don't have a son. I've got a daughter, but I speak often to women to, to re- please don't stop touching your son. Exactly. Like, please exactly. don't stop touching your son. Like, yeah. he needs to be touched beyond the toddler space, yep. you know, because yes. that's usually where it ends. You yes. Know, it to be about five. Maybe you're taller than you than, than they think you should be. And after that, yeah. they start treating you very differently. Right. It's like, he's a boy now. Exactly. Right. He's still going to be a man. Exactly. And once he's a man, then you can't touch him at all. Exactly. Right. Which is so counter. It just even even if we didn't have the which we do have the wherewithal to pay attention to what's happening in our own mm-hmm. environments. But as much as we love nature documentaries, <laughs> they the males get they they get their they get groomed just as often mm-hmm. as the women. In mm-hmm. fact, they often have a, a harem of women grooming them. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's not like like nature knows. Yeah, and. I guess that's one of the um, casualties, though, of our big, beautiful brains is that we yeah. override biology very easily. Yeah, and I don't even know if it's our brains as much as it is our enculturation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in this time, in this space, in this particular culture. I mean, because not every culture is like this. So I, I don't know yeah. that it's necessarily our brains. I think it's that the way that we've chosen to shape our brains and um, shape the wiring of our brains um, is what make kind of is making us because, you know, there's also document documented evidence that when the brains of people in this culture are rewired, then different things happen. You know, there's all kinds of different research being done right now with psychedelics that's showing, um, you know, particularly I mean, with men and women, but particularly with men, because, they tend to be the primary people taking psychedelics and the primary people in the psychedelic research um, that it's one of the most effective ways of changing people's perceptions around touch. Mm -hmm. Um, And that people, you know, who are going through these therapeutic sessions are actually um, their, their whole perceptions of touch are changing. They're becoming much touchier. They're becoming more open to their intuition. They're becoming more, um, in a way, feminine, because again, it's rewiring people's brains rather than being linear. It opens up the intuition, opens up the creativity, op- opens up the prefrontal cortex, which mm-hmm. is where creativity lives. And we tend to shut that off, um, mm-hmm. particularly, again, with men, especially are kind of acculturated. They don't, they don't have that natural system of right, the home, right, yeah. right. We have wombs, so that makes mm-hmm. it a lot easier for us to kind of, you know, there's only so much we can ignore our bodies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> only well, so and much. We, and we have, you know, largely, a, even if we are very masculine energy mm-hmm. focused right, in our right. in a, most of our lives, right. at least once a month. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. We, we can't get away from it. So. At all. Yeah. yeah. At, least, at least once a month, your body yeah. is like, um, hello. Yeah. Sit down. Tune in. Yeah. You right. know, withdraw. Go right. inside. Exactly. You know, like, exactly. yeah. It's, it's a powerful space. I do believe that um, I often encourage women to get to know the energy of their womb yes. um, and to really, it's so powerful. So powerful. Your womb will never lie to you. Well, you know, <laughs> I, 
it, it won't let me like my womb is is can be aggressive like yeah <laughs> but that's but that's the other thing you know in the same thing that the divine masculine can be this very beautiful gentle energy the divine feminine the wild feminine can also be extremely aggressive oh, right fierce. like if you so fierce I mean, to a certain extent, I'm always like feminine energy is way fiercer than masculine energy. Oh, absolutely. It has to be. It's so protective. You know, any kind of protective energy, I believe, is feminine energy. You know, so it's whether it's in a man or a woman, that Mm -hmm. that womb is so protective. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to make this thing, I have to protect this most delicate of things. Yes. So don't you even try to get up in here. Exactly. I mean, and literally, metaphorically, I mean, Mm -hmm. there is not a muscle in the body that is Mm -hmm. more versatile or strong as the womb. That is so true. There is no muscle that can be stretched that far out of shape. Exactly. And still remain intact. Exactly. And shrink back to size Mm -hmm. and do it all over again, Mm -hmm. however many times is necessary. Exactly. Yeah. It's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. I love to think of the of the feminine like um like water, like the ocean. Yeah. Um, or like a river. I recently mm-hmm. went camping and 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 witnessed the the ferociousness of the Kern yes. Valley River. Oh my yes. God. And people die on the river every weekend because yeah. every human thinks they can conquer it. But right. like when you're looking at it, it's so I'm like these the the mm-hmm. rocks and the banks are masculine mm-hmm. trying to contain exactly this amazingly aggressive feminine yeah. that will do whatever she needs to do. And if she decides she wants to go a different way, she will jump the bank yep. and Absolutely. create a new valley if necessary. Absolutely. Like there's and you know it's easy to look at you know a pond mm-hmm. and think oh water is so gentle <laughs> right right but it can be really ferocious mm-hmm. and if the feminine gets really pissed off you know the ocean oh, ocean yeah. we have high and low tide but if if it right. gets too much anyone who's lived through a hurricane is very aware of the power of the ocean or a tsunami right? or a, a, yep I was gonna say a tsunami it yeah. will it will rear up. Absolutely. And wipe out whatever it needs to yep. and then calm the fuck down like exactly. rather quickly. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, what, what were you saying? <laughs> exactly. And that's very much like being yeah. a woman. Yes. It's very much like being a woman, is particularly during certain times of the month. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the, it, it can turn on and off. It might look mm-hmm. very bipolar. Yep. But it really is just, I don't need to stay mad. Yep. But let me tell you something. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Let me tell you this so that I won't stay mad. Right? Then hear me. Yes. Because you don't want me to say this Exa- again. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's a, I love being a woman. I love yeah, me too. being a woman. I'm really, I feel really fortunate to have been born a woman. Me too. Um, yeah. I mean, and I'm, I'm sure that men, well, they probably don't think about it as much, but. They probably don't um, think about it as much. Because again, they don't have as much moving inside yes. all the time. Yes, I'm, I'm, and I should say all men, most men, because there are definitely some men that do have that much moving inside of them. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, but do you find that the men that have the most movement are the ones that tend to favor the feminine? Yes. And uh, here's something else I've noticed. Um, I go to a lot of events and stuff related to sexuality, mm-hmm. and there are there are very few men that that lean toward their masculine present in such events. That's true. And, and to a certain extent, it's kind of sad and I'm sure it's because they feel they're, they fear, you know, being that, you know? And so it's, again, 
kind of the opposite of what happens often in dominant society mm -hmm. where, you know, men aren't allowed to embrace their masculine energy um, or women aren't allowed to embrace their feminine energy or, you know, whatever it is that there's very few spaces where people are allowed to express mm -hmm. all of their, you know, humans in general, regardless of how they identify sexually or how they identify their gender are allowed to express the entirety of the masculine energy that they feel and embody and the entirety of the feminine energy that they feel and embody. And I think this is a time right now, sort of cosmically where we're really grappling with that, um, mm. that balance. And so there's a lot of shifting, a lot of pendulums, you know, swinging, swaying, and trying to find those balances, um, you know, between men and women, but also um, just as much equally within each individual. So yeah. I think that's why there's so much kind of coming up now about gender and sexuality and where people fit on this, on these spectra. And so I think we're really in a, a shifting time where we're, we're, tr we're trying to find that balance, but we haven't quite found the mechanisms by which to go about doing that. So, yeah, there's definitely movement happening yeah there's a lot of um, yeah there's Movement's a lot good yeah and and like everything it looks really chaotic at first yeah yep you know um there is no order in right. creation right, right. I was like say, it to be. But that's yeah i mean we try to put order you know it's like people like nature is in a delicate balance nature is no. not in a delicate balance and any kind anyone who knows anything about ecology really like Nature is in a highly dynamic state all the yeah. time. Now, it's a problem when it's not in a dynamic state mm -hmm. because it is that dynamism, that, you know, quote unquote chaos that actually is what keeps a balance, right? Absolutely. But it is balance and movement. That's why I would say, you know, dancing. We're dancing. When we're dancing, then we're probably pretty balanced. But when we stop moving, that can be a problem. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it can look very haphazard almost absolutely you know like I was just walking past some house that was for vacant and of course the lawn is not kept and they're like mm -hmm. these huge weeds that are now like yep. five feet tall yeah. and I'm like that's nature we you know we look at yeah. that and think how ugly it is yeah you know but I'm like that's how it's supposed to look like these neat yeah. manicured lawns and these roads no, of see, agriculture I'm the, I'm the person that will go and you know dig up somebody's lawn and plant a bunch of food and have it be growing all kinds of ways. So right, that's it's what supposed I like to, to yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be messy. Yeah, um, and and again, there are there's a time for order. Yeah, you absolutely. know, but um, I think that we have done ourselves a great our, ourselves a grave disservice by trying to make order the norm, right? Instead of the exception, right? You know, I mean, order works in terms of streetlights are important, right? Like, <laughs> No yeah, we do. We do need. We do need some order. We mm -hmm. need some order, and we need to allow for the chaos. When you allow for the chaos, then it makes it um, the order that is necessary. That is again for protection, for safety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's much easier to maintain when those things that aren't that important are let go of. Yeah. You know, and it's not just about maintaining a sense of control because mm -hmm. we don't actually have control anyway. So it's the biggest. And Why? most elaborate illusion ever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even bigger than the sunset. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, even bigger than the illusion that the yep. sun disappears. Yeah. I think the, the illusion of control is definitely um, because mm -hmm. that's the one that we're constantly reinforcing. 
Right. And because we try things, you know, you know, if you, you get up and your legs move every time and you, you start to think that you're in control of that <laughs> until right. one day, until, until one day you, you get in a fist fight with gravity and guess mm-hmm. what? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I, I know I've struggled with, with control, but I found that the most expansive and transformational leaps in my life came when, when I was, um, beat out of control. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, cause that's what has to happen. Right. And that's, we're constantly being called to surrender. Like I believe we're constantly being called to surrender so that we can to surrender to this thing, which is much greater than us. That is wild. Mm-hmm. Right. I believe that which is greater than us, you know, whatever you want to call it is totally wild. Right. And so when we try to grasp onto control, then we are not allowing ourselves to receive that wild energy. I mean, that's one of the amazing things about sex, right? Sex allows us, that's, you know, when you have an orgasm, it creates a portal mm-hmm. through which to receive that which is greater, to receive that which is wild, to go into that wild state, to go and to receive that at the same time. So when we think we're having sex with another person, we are having sex with another person, but we're also having sex with something that's much greater than that, I believe. Yeah, and, I, and there's something about the female orgasm yeah that is inclusive yes whereas the male orgasm is more exclusive right right you know and then when you were talking about the water and surrender I I that was my word of the year Mm -hmm. and I've heard a lot of women um like in fact I remember saying that to to a friend of mine at the beginning of the year I was like you know my word for this year is surrender because I mm-hmm. really need to allow instead of trying mm-hmm. to make mm-hmm. things happen I really mm-hmm. need to allow things to happen and she was like I don't like that word I don't like the energy of surrender because for her surrender meant submit right which is not right. the no, same to me, thing two completely me too things. I was yeah. like no it doesn't feel yeah. like that to me no you know um I said it feels more like a, an allowance it, it it's and for me yeah because surrender is actually active yes whereas submission is passive exactly and it's kind of like look to keep with our theme of feminine water it's kind of like there are people that can't float right and the reason that they can't float isn't because their body doesn't float it's because they're trying to maintain control and all it takes like because it's like your body doesn't change physical structure to allow you to float it literally is a switch you must flip inside of your mind yeah to go from control to surrender that will allow you to become buoyant Mm -hmm. and and it because it's not like all of a sudden it's not like you lost a whole bunch of weight and floated to the top like you didn't it literally is a switch in your mind that you have to switch that just says, you know, I release my need to control. Well, most every shift that we can possibly experience in life is just a little switch in our mind. Very easy. Well, very easy in concept. Right. (laughs) You know, like I can very easily switch to floating. It's it's, it's amazing when you do it, how simple and small it? it is compared to what an immense mountain it seems like it's just a switch but we think it's a mountain yes right? and and the struggle is real you know for someone who so real the, someone who can't float they're so like no i'm like fighting with the water yeah it's trying to swallow me whole but it's, right. but it's but it isn't you know it's all a matter of perception absolutely yeah you know i'm i'm thinking now about the things that i have been i've been in a really great space the last couple of months of 
becoming untethered and unbothered. Mm-hmm. And some days I am both things mm-hmm. for at least five minutes. Mm-hmm. That's huge. <laughs> you know, some not all That's days. Huge. Some days I'm one or the other. Right. I'm having a much easier time with being untethered mm-hmm. than I am being unbothered. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just a switch because it's just a mm-hmm. matter in the moment when I'm feeling bothered, it really is a matter of me deciding not to be. It really right. is that fucking simple. Um, but right. not in my mind. It's like, you yeah. don't understand. <laughs> yeah. It's fascinating. Oh my goodness. If you're just making all kinds of um, light bulbs happen in my brain. <laughs> Look, I, I love having, because this is the thing. It's not that I, I'm not, I'm used to having conversations that have depth, mm-hmm. but again, I'm, I'm a Libra. So I have, I'm yeah. just as bookish as I am. Right. Woo, right. Yeah. But it's well, very I'm an Aquarius, so I'm oh. all book and all woo. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's not easy to find someone to no, have that's what I was saying earlier. You know, an intellectual conversation with mm-hmm. about woo shit. Exactly. Like, <laughs> exactly. Look, I'm, I think Where's I'm your moon? Do you know your moon is? Um, I think I am Libra. Most of my house is Libra. I'm like okay. um, and then I have a little bit of Virgo and I can't remember which mm-hmm. planet. Okay. Um, yeah, I have a love-hate relationship with Virgo. My mom. So I have a Virgo moon. Oh, wow. Yeah. How is that for you? I believe it's why I'm a researcher. <laughs> like, I actually love, like, that's fantastic. I have all kinds of energies spread all over the place. So I tend to be actually a little bit attached to my Virgo moon. And especially since right now, Mercury is retrograde mm-hmm. in Virgo which is his, one of his homes. And he's going to be retrograding over my moon right before the eclipse. I'm feeling really, really happy about my Virgo energy. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm almost entirely Libra. Like I think I can't remember which of my planets is in Virgo, but my moon is in Libra. I believe my sun is in Libra. I'm so, I'm so Libra. Got a lot of Libra. Yeah. Um, And I move like that. Like I was just having a conversation with someone earlier was talking about loving to be busy. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm -mm, I don't like to be busy. Right. I like to, I'm, I'm so mellow. Yeah. That I'm like, I I don't like spikes. I like to be like, don't come with your frantic energy. Like I don't even like to sit next to someone that has like a nervous tick where they're bouncing their leg and stuff. Oh, I've been talking about that so much lately. Really? Yeah. Like that has come up for me probably three times in the last 24 to 48 hours. I'm I'm glad I'm not the only one. I can't deal with people who are like, yes, it creates too much nervous energy in my body that I'm like, can you please stop doing that? Like, because I think that people don't get people that don't inhabit their body in this way. Mm -hmm. They don't really get how the fact that like even that tick creates an anxious Yep. sensation. Right. So before you know it, you're like, why am I anxious? Right. When nothing happened, but you're right. sitting next to this person who can't keep their legs still. Yep. Because it's all vibration, right? It is all Look, vibration. I'm so relieved because you're the first person that's got that. Because <laughs> people think you're just being bitchy. Then I'm like, can you please? Like, I can't, I can't no. watch you yeah. do it. And right. I can't feel you do it because right. I don't like the way it makes my body feel. Right. And especially, you know, doing energy work, whenever I'm doing energy work, when I'm doing readings, if somebody's got these ticks, I literally am like, I can't, I can't do it because it gets, again, it's not crazy. No, it gets in your way. Well, if you are, then I am too. So at least we're crazy together, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. 
And a lot of people have that or the people that can't sit down, you know, like they got, I I think especially, I mean, being in the, in the mid Atlantic, that is a particularly mid Atlantic trait. I go other places. I think so. I go other places. People are not that fucking crazy. Like, especially living in the Bahamas. Like I can't remember if I ever saw anyone who wasn't American and even still like wasn't visiting who had that kind of tick. It's like, everyone just needs to chill the fuck yeah. out. Yeah. Well, and I, I love that about the Caribbean is yeah. that everyone, no problem is like the catchphrase, but they mean it. Like yeah. it's no problem. Like no worries. Just sit the fuck down. Yeah. You know, whereas here we are definitely, and I think that, I, well, I mean, living on in, I live in California. So living mm. on the coast, I see right. that even though people from other places think Californians are just so fucking well, yeah. chill. I would say compared to here, California is so chill. Like, you this, know, like everyone's so uptight. And I think again, especially in the mid Atlantic, like everyone is so uptight. I, I remember going to New York when I was, I think I was in ninth grade. I couldn't believe how hustly and bustly it was. Like, I was like, you know, the city that never sleeps is the fucking truth. I'm like, why are people right. up? And right. it's like just as busy at 2 a.m. Exactly. As it is at 7 a.m. Yeah. Like people are always on the go. So we def- we definitely don't have that going. Right. right. Um, and I'm so not that person. Like I can't, like I live in a city that's just south of Los Angeles. Okay. And um, it's the closest thing to a town that, right. you know, in Los Angeles. So it's very, in order to come here, you either or were on your way, you got lost because you can't right. pass through. The next city over right. is an island. Right. So it's very, it's relaxed in that sense compared to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. But even now that I've gotten older, even this is too much. I'm like, I need something that's a little bit more slow because I do yeah. not enjoy the energy of busy at all. Yeah. It's too frantic for me. Yeah. I can't do the frenetic thing. Yeah. It's, oh, it's unnerving. I mean, but then there are people that that's the, that's the, their channel. And yeah. That's, it's not, yep. it's not a bad thing. It's just not. Yeah. My, you know? Yeah, definitely not my yeah. thing. But do you find that you are romantically attracted to people that have that? Cause I, that's been my, my experience. Yeah, like I definitely like people who are strong, like, bah, like a lot high energy, and yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Like I can't, I can't do anyone who's too laid back. Like yeah. that's not attractive to me. Well, and I think I would, we would just never get anything done. Right, right. Because that's the other thing, you know, we would just never, we would never do anything yeah. because yeah. I can be really laid back. Like I'm very. You know, a book is an exciting afternoon for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't need to be really, I don't even like to pack my day. Like it doesn't right. feel good to me, but I couldn't be with somebody that was like that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, it's actually, you know, I moved back to Delaware a couple of years ago and I'm now in the process of building my own business. And I'm glad that I'm here building my business because it's kicking my ass. Like, mm-hmm. and I need my ass to be kicked because otherwise I'd be like, I'm just gonna, you know, maybe do some writing and then maybe, you know, paint for a while and maybe I'll write some poetry. And and those are all great things to do. And Mm -hmm. a huge part of what I do and a part of my business, and I I certainly can't do those things as effectively here as I can other places. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But in terms of, again, building structures that allow me to do those things, I need to be in this kind of environment that just is all about ass kicking and systems and structures. And, and I do like systems and structures. So that's not a problem, but it's good for me to be in a place that kind of doesn't give me an option to do anything else. Yeah. Cause you know, it's you, like, I'm going to go to the beach this afternoon and drink a beer, you know, like that's not yeah. an option. Yeah. You so, know, I, I have the, I think like my scheduler is that gives me that thing mm-hmm. because they're, you know, on the days when I, when I know I have multiple calls, right, the right. bullshit is, is minimal. I can't right, bullshit right, because right, right. there's exactly. something on the calendar yep, <laughs> that has yep, to be done, yep. but the stuff that's optional mm-hmm. is so easy to just let the shit slide, roll over. Yeah. There's one entry that I've been rolling over on my calendar now for four days. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Didn't and and guess what's gonna happen tomorrow? I'm gonna put it on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like the yeah, the structure is is good. Like I, that's what I love about weekday mornings. Yeah. Because I really struggle to get shit done on weekend mornings because mm-hmm. the structure doesn't exist in the same way. Yeah. I, I'm at a point now where I don't even, I don't even know when it's the weekend or the weekday anymore. So I just kind of, every day is the same. <laughs> well, you know, like I, um, there are certain things that I do on the weekday and, but mm-hmm. I think it's right. came from me. I worked for someone else for so long mm-hmm. that that part of my brain is like, yeah. it's, it's. Yeah, see, I think I've spent so much of my life also working on weekends, mm-hmm. like even working for other people on weekends, mm-hmm. you know, because I mostly do kind of food service stuff. So that's primarily weekend work. So. Yeah. You, it's interesting though. Like the, the conditioning, it, it becomes a program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Long Story Short is an advice column for achy, breaky hearts, curious libidos, and desperately seeking humans of the female persuasion. If you're looking for straight-from-the-hip advice, because emotion loves to settle in the hips, you're in the right place. Long Story Short provides real-world advice for women like you. Why? Because sometimes you need a little perspective about the shit that's going on in your life. Submit your Long Story Short to bit.ly forward slash long story short advice. I was just talking to someone and we were talking about, you know, what an amazing piece of technology the body is and how we just underappreciate it's it. It's the most, most amazing piece of technology. It's, it's the most incredible computer is. on the face of the planet. So expansive and mm-hmm. constantly expanding itself. Yes. And changing. Yes. And has the ability to, to change. And again, more and more research is coming out to show just how much our minds and bodies can change up until, you know, all throughout our lives, no matter how old, you know, there was this idea that you reach a certain point, you know, you can't, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And, you know, that, that understanding is changing now because we're realizing that our brains are perpetually elastic, that we have Mm -hmm. so much more elasticity in our minds than we ever imagined. So, which is really exciting. It is. It's so fascinating. We can always grow. Okay. So now let's have a little intercourse here. Okay. (laughs) How often do you initiate sex? Or do you like um, it to be initiated better? I I initiate sex a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. At least 50% of the time, if not more than 50% of the time. Well, I love that you said that because, of course, conditioning, we've gotten right. this idea right. that not only do women not like sex as much, right. which is not true, right? Um, but that it's not healthy for us to be as sexual even though 
I think women are as sexual, if not more sexual. Yeah, I think we're probably more sexual. Than men, yeah. yeah. And then biologically speaking, you know, like the way that our bodies are designed, it tells the tale of us being more sexual. Yep, yep. I mean, and we have to be. Exactly. We have to be really sexual, so. Like, hello, life. Yes, life exactly. is sexually transmitted still. Yep. regardless of all this technology and I'm yep. not taking away from all of the wonderful things that allow women who struggle right. with fertility. I'm, right. I'm not taking away from right. that, but generally speaking, most of yep. us still do it right. the old fashioned way. Yeah. And, um, it's, it's a, it's a perpetuation of, of life in that way. But thank goodness, thank goodness humans have sex for pleasure. Like, <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. so grateful to be part of the species. That it's not just about and to be in a time when when it's okay. Yes, it's okay for you to have sex because you like having sex. Yes, that's and fun. I love also that we as women. I think sexuality has always been really fluid for women, yeah. um, and not to say it's not fluid for men. I think that I don't know that it's as fluid yeah. for men as it yeah. is for women. Um, but I, th- I love that we're in a time where we don't have to oppress that. Someone asked right. me recently, like, are you bi-curious? And I said, not yet. Yeah. And the reason is because I, not yet. Like yeah. currently, yeah. I don't feel attracted to women in a right. sexual way, but I don't know if, right. I don't know if that's going to always be true today. It isn't. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, but it's, I think that I, I could change. I mean, there are lots yeah. of things that I didn't know I enjoyed. <laughs> right, right. You know, and that I'm like, oh yeah, there are certain things that there was a time when I would have been like, hell no to that. Right. And now I'm like, yeah, thank yeah. you, please. More yeah. please, you yeah. know? So, yeah. um, but I love that we live in a time where we're allowed to yeah. to lean in and lean mm-hmm. out and choose. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I really, I hope that I'm alive to see where it's not a conversation anymore. Right. Where it just is normal. And it's yeah. just like, if you like a girl today or yep. for 10 years. Right. And then you, right. you know, and also this idea that if you are like, if you're, if you, the idea that if you're homosexual, that you can't enjoy heterosexual sex is ridiculous to me. Right. Right. Because it isn't, it's not like the act of copulating is very different. Right. In homosexual relationships. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's not very the actual thing like if if you're a man and you happen to be in a gay relationship, it still is about penetration and you still mm-hmm. like those same things. Mm-hmm. So like the idea that you it has to be one or the other is kind right. of absurd and it's kind of like sometimes my favorite ice cream flavor is vanilla. Right. Um I like vanilla. It's you know, it's and it's very popular obviously. But sometimes I like Rocky Road. Mm-hmm. And it does, you know, sometimes, sometimes I don't want the marshmallows. Sometimes right. I don't want the nuts, but right. I still want Rocky Road. Right. And I'm allowed, yep. you know, and I don't know why we have decided, you know, um, for fear, I'm sure, right. that, that we needed to make things so rigid. Well, again, I think that's a very, it's so American to be, it has yes. to be together. you can only check one box. And again, this is actually, this is literally my area of academic expertise is about hybridity and, um, you know, queerization and queer theory and all of that, that, you know, it does, it's okay to be mixed. 
Right. You're allowed to be more than one thing at the same time. And I also think that, you know, now um, with globalization, so many people have had so many different experiences, have so many, so much exposure to so many different things. So many people, you know, are mixed and maybe don't even, con- it's not even considered mixed because it's a different kind of mix. Like if you're racially mixed and that's obviously mixed, but if your parents come from different, you know, religious backgrounds mm-hmm. that maybe you're not considered mixed as long as you're the same race and from the same country, you know, but even the fact that so many people have so ma- have ancestry from so many different heritages, pretty much everyone, almost everyone on the face of the planet has ancestry from different parts of the planet, from mm-hmm. different places. Um, and, you know, again, we don't necessarily consider that mix until people start to reach those places where they have to start making choices for themselves. And it's yeah. like, well, I have to do this thing. It's like, you can actually create your own structure. And again, that's a huge part of um, where I come from in my practice, in my coaching practice is about really helping people understand how to take all these different parts of themselves and all these different experiences from their lives and put them together into their own conglomeration, you know, their own collage, um, their own mosaic that works for them, that works for the structures of their own beings and their own existence. So absolutely. And I'm very passionate about, (laughs) yeah, well, I'm, I'm grateful that you're doing the work because I don't know that we can really live the fullest expression of ourselves if we are oppressing part of ourselves. Exactly. No, we can't. We can't. You have to acknowledge every single part. And I think, you know, with a lot of things that are happening in the world now, you know, we're being forced to look at all of who we are. We're being forced to look at all of our shadows. And that's, to me, that's a good thing. It's a tough thing, mm-hmm. but it, it is a good thing. And it's yeah. necessary because like you said, you can't, you can't live into the full expression of yourself if you don't know the full expression of yourself or, you know, it's literally, you know, on the inter- on the inside, it's like, you know, we, we are so many different individuals within our minds. And mm-hmm. so it's kind of like the same way if you have a group of people and one person, you're like, you need to shut the fuck up all the time. We do that to parts of ourselves all the time, all the time, all the time. And until we can say, you know what, that part that I've been telling to shut up, I'm going to, today I'm going to let that voice be heard mm-hmm. in myself until you can allow all the voices within yourself to be heard. You cannot allow all of the voices outside of you to be heard. Like mm-hmm. It's just, it's not possible. So whatever you're repressing or suppressing outside of you, you're repressing and suppressing inside of you. No, I, I absolutely believe that. And I, yeah. and I, and I see it and I've witnessed it yeah. within myself. You know, and and we're so many different versions. Like I've been a lot of women. Yeah, I'm forty. I'm forty three. I've been a lot of women. I've been a lot of women this week. Right? I'm like it's Monday. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, and I think that it's really um, we are we suffer so much unnecessarily by trying to just be one version. It's kind Mm -hmm. of like sleep. Like I have. I have this thing with people in sleep. Like if I hear one more person say, I need to get my eight hours, maybe you don't. Yeah. You know, maybe what if, what if five hours in a row is enough for you and you just need a nap right. Right. because you don't have to get it in one chunk. Right. You know, no more than breakfast, lunch, and dinner that might work for some people. Right. But if you're like a late morning person yeah. and an afternoon, yeah. you know, a late lunch and no dinner, 
Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean your body's not getting what you need because That's it's right. not fitting in this That's box right. that you didn't even create. That's right. And and when we think about again, kind of what our natural states are, you know, we were hunters and gatherers. We were foragers, right? We did not eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We right. ate when it was available. You know, and and we slept when when it was safe. <laughs> exactly. 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 Yeah, I I just think that we are really, and again, not to say that we can't condition, you know, like I'm an early bird. I conditioned, Mm -hmm. I I got that conditioning when I was young, really, which was not about me naturally having a biological clock that got up early. It was because that was the time when I could one, be alone because I have two sisters. And for two, I could have my mother to myself. Yeah. Because they yeah. W- they weren't early birds. Yeah. So it never went away. So I am still very much a morning person. Yeah. And, you know, but, and it doesn't matter what time I go to sleep. I could go to yeah. sleep at midnight and I will yeah. be back awake by four. Yeah. But maybe I'll take a nap instead. Yeah. You know, I might exactly. sleep for three hours in the middle of the day right. if it's right. available to me. And it's okay. Right. It's going to be okay if you take a nap. It's completely fine. I think yeah. siesta is important. Yes. I'm a, I'm a <laughs> big siesta. supporter of that system. Absolutely. But I think that it's interesting because you hear people cubbyhole themselves because of someone else's idea. And if you mm-hmm. ask them and, and they struggle, if you ask them, does mm-hmm. that idea belong to you? Right. It's, you see this confusion. What do you mean? Yeah. yeah. You know, they said, well, who the fuck is they? Yeah. Ooh, who they? Yeah. <laughs> they trust said, me. I have those conversations every day. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing, and we struggle with wanting to own, you know, our own way, like to right. go against the grain. Yeah, um, and it's the only way we can be free. Yeah. You know, that's the only way we can experience liberation is if we know that we're making a choice. Mm-hmm. And maybe you, cho- maybe you end up, you know, you reach a point where you're like, I'm going to choose the exact same thing that I had and did when I was growing up. But when you choose to do it, it's such a different yeah. experience than this when you think it's your only option. Completely different. Completely. And you can't actually choose something unless you know there are other options. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's why I'm so grateful to, again, have lived in other places and experienced a lot of different cultural paradigms. I, I know what my choices are, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I know that whatever I do, it's a very conscious decision that I'm making. So. Well, you know what I found is that the people that are well, that are physically well traveled, mm-hmm. um, and and not just they live, they came from wherever they came from and right. then moved here because that's right. not really well traveled. You only right. made one real trip, right. you know. <laughs> but you know, people that actually go have have experienced and been exposed to different cultures, like mm-hmm. well traveled, yeah. have more open minds, and yeah. people that people that read a lot. Yes. Um, yeah. particularly fiction yeah. also tend to be more open-minded because they yeah. might not physically be well-traveled. Right. But they are, unless they, unless they only read one genre. Right. Well, and the other thing is, you know, speaking of reading, you can travel in your mind and not travel in your body. And there's plenty of people who travel in their bodies and have been exposed to all kinds of things and their minds are still very closed because yeah. they have not allowed themselves to receive, or in some cases have not um, been forced to mm-hmm. grapple with or receive the difference that they encountered or could have been exposed to if they had allowed themselves to. So there's also pieces of privilege and yeah, 
it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm just as fascinated with, I'm just as fascinated with humans that are open-minded as mm-hmm. I am by humans that aren't. Because yeah. both of them are yeah. equally fascinating to me. Right, right. Like, you know, to see someone that is so set in their ways, yeah, you know, is just as fascinating to me as someone who is completely liberated. Yeah. That, I mean, the it, the dynamics of both are just amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the the people that are committed to being wounded, like those mm-hmm. people fascinate me to no end. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, you're so committed to that story. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you are, you are all the way in. Like, yeah, that it's it's amazing. Yeah, the human brain, like <laughs> the brain, it's it, it is. And it's the primary sex organ too. Yes, between the ears. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, all of the things. things. (laughs) So do you believe that, do you believe that good sex can be taught or do you believe it's inherent? Uh, Both. And and how subjective is that? Like a relative? Both. Yeah, I think Mm -hmm. both. What do you think for you, like in your experience, Mm -hmm. um, what, what is good sex for you? Um... Well, first I have to have an intellect, like I said, I have, I have to have a mind connection. It has to be an intellectual synergy mm-hmm. um, and an emotional synergy. And those are two different things. Because yes. I can mind fuck someone and have no emotional attachment to them yeah. and have com- and be really satisfied with the mind fucking, but it's not the same as making love with the mind, you know? So it is, there are different kinds of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and... Yeah, I also like variety. No, I don't mm. like sex to be the same all the time. So I like somebody who is, you know, sometimes I like something really slow and soft and sensual. And sometimes I just like to fuck. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, someone who has a capacity to be flexible and um, wants variety, likes variety. Sometimes I like to be on the top. Sometimes I like to be on the bottom. You know, like, mm-hmm. it's, yeah. But that, but I think it is really important to me to have some level of connection with that, um, because otherwise it's just not that interesting. Or yeah. Fun. And there's not the there's not the capacity to be really open about this is what I really want, and have the person be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, or and it, I'm not even always if I don't know that that person is there because they really care about me then I don't always feel as comfortable to say, you know what I really want? This is what I really want. That right there is a thing for me too. Yeah. And in fact, even when I've had sex that physically feels really good to me, yeah. if I don't feel like there's enough connection or if there's any space right. or feeling right. between right. the two of us, I can, I can have the pleasure, but right. my body will start responding. Right. Like my pussy will get mad. Yes. And like, I've had like a partner once that I was, I really enjoyed sleeping with this person Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I could get very physically pleasured from Mm -hmm. it. But Mm -hmm. my pussy was like, look here. (laughs) Do you, do you know who Queen Afu is? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, she has the angry vagina, the angry vagina book. I haven't read it though, but I've heard of her. It's good. Yeah. And so I had a friend who went around and was asking women, you know, if your vagina could speak, what would your vagina say? 
So that's a really powerful, actually, I, I encourage people to do that even as a writing exercise. You know, if they're having a tough time, like get out of your head, hone into your womb. Now let your womb speak. And it's amazing. Amazing. What comes out when your womb decides to speak. And like you said earlier, you know, it's like, then it can get, it can get aggressive. It can get angry. Like if you go against it for too long, mm -hmm. because again, you can override biology. You can do it. But if you do it for too long and and I did it in that situation for too long. And I mean, I had a yeast infection that would not fucking mm-hmm. go away. Mm-hmm. I tried, ev- I f- tried everything holistic first. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to go to the doctor. Right. I tried monostat. I tried the yeah. seven day. I tried the yeah. three day. I tried the one day. Yeah. It would not go away. And, and I literally made a phone call to the person mm-hmm. and I said, you know, I can't do this anymore because it doesn't feel like there's any emotional intimacy. Right. And I don't feel like there's any space for my feelings for me to yeah. be able to, because sometimes it's just that I love you. It doesn't mean I want to get married or let's right. be together. Right. It just means I'm feeling really full and I want right. to express that. And you can love somebody for three days. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can have a and really intense love for three days. Exactly. And, and, and be done. Yeah. And be done. But yeah. there was like no space. I hung up the phone 48 hours. My shit was regular. I, I mean, it, it was very, it so powerful. very potent that I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I get it, yeah. you know, cause I wanted it to not, I wanted that not to be the answer because I did right. enjoy the sex so much. Right. Right. I want it to be wrong, <laughs> right, right. but I knew, but I knew, and I kept doing it anyway. And it was mm-hmm. just like, I yep. already told you yep. that this person, Can I tell you again? right. This is not yep. the one. This is not the one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love that you said that about you can be in love for three days. Cause can yeah, we please absolutely. dispel the myth that love has a time frame mm-hmm. and then it's linear mm-hmm. and that you can't, you, you can't fall in love in one night Yeah, or you can't fall out of love in five minutes. Right. Like it is, it, it is not static. Right. And sometimes most, sometimes that's all we need. Sometimes you can have an incredibly transformative love that can last for two days and that can change your entire life. And you don't need to see that person ever again. And it doesn't, and it has no bearing on the amount of power that that relationship with that person has on who you are absolutely, and who you needed to have in your life and who you need to become. I I really believe that. I, I absolutely believe it too. But there's like, I, the first time I ever had an experience where I felt love quickly mm-hmm. within a week, mm-hmm. you know, logically, I'm like, you're making shit up now. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, because oh, yeah. there's that idea that exactly. it's too soon, it's too soon. Yep. And then yep. it was like, you know what? I am not from this place. Yeah. You know, like I yep. happen to live in a body that is from here, but I don't remember where I was before I got here. Right. Like I have no memory. I know I did not just poof. You know, I came from someplace. And that means that if that's true, and I believe that with every fiber of my being, if that is true, then that means that any experience that I have isn't static either. Right. You know, the same as I one day will no longer be here. Yep. And and the the house that I lived in will be vacated. And it will stay and I will go just like, mm-hmm. just like upon arrival. Well, you know, I, I was able to come in with the body. I don't even get to leave with that. Right. right. But, you know, right. but if that's true, 
then I have to believe that it's also possible. The same way I could really love broccoli and I could eat broccoli for several days in a row. And by day number five, I might be like, you know what? I am so fucking over broccoli. Yep. And I might not eat broccoli for three years after that. Yep. But maybe you just need the nutrients that you needed from the broccoli for those five days. Exactly. Which, look, I'm glad you said that too. Because I also really believe, because the body is always speaking, and it will ask for exactly what you what it needs. You know, anybody who's ever had an iron deficiency mm-hmm. and experienced any kind of pica, I had one that was mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Never ate so much ice in my fucking life. Mm-hmm. Couldn't live without it. Carried around a 32-ounce cup of ice at all times with a sweater because I was always fucking cold because I was always eating the ice because my body was saying, I need iron. Right. You know, and, and we do get those, the, the body will ask, or specifically for some people, it's right when their period starts, they need to eat red meat. Yeah. That's a thing. Or maybe they need to eat more spinach or whatever. Yeah. But we also have, again, because we live, we, we've been accustomed to living by, you know, the food, the, the food chart. This is what you need, yeah. you know, and now I found, and I happen to be vegetarian, but I don't believe that everyone is supposed to be vegetarian. Right. You know, but there's this idea we shouldn't eat animals. And I'm like, tell that to a lion. Yeah. Like, you know, what are you going to say? Like, yeah. from now on, no more caribou. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I mean, it's apparent that that's part of the natural order of things. But we these trendy things happen. Like the keto yeah. diet is trendy right now. The keto it is. diet is, is yep. trendy. And paleo was trendy a couple of yep. years ago. Yep. And, you know, like these trendy things and then people decide like that's how it's supposed to be yep. because we are not listening to our internal compass. Right. And that's and, a huge part of my work as well because I do do a lot around diet, you know, um, personal chef, um, mm-hmm. a lot of plant-based cooking, all kinds of different stuff. Um but a huge piece of what I do too, in terms of helping people build their own structures in their lives and figuring out what's best for them is about diet and is about helping people to experiment with what really works for their own bodies. You know, not saying, well, it's, you, it must be this way. Mm-hmm. You know, you must follow this thing or you must follow that thing. Because I've just found in my own experience that, you know, there's not, there's not any shaped form diet that's out there that completely, um, satisfies what my personal body needs. There's some guidelines, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Some guidelines work, but I'm all for um, people really listening to themselves. And even in terms of, I actually did a video a few weeks, three or four weeks ago, um, that's up on my YouTube uh, channel and my webpage that are about um, that balance between, you know, eating meat and, and, you know, being a plant-based person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's actually from when I was helping some friends slaughter their chickens. But so I'm really about the balance, Mm -hmm, really mm -hmm. about the balance. I think that that's so important. Yeah. I think it's and like, I, I don't know that I was designed to eat meat. I didn't like it as a child, but I grew up in the clean your plate era. Yep. Yep. So I had to eat meat. And so I learned to eat meat. And so for me, it was kind of like I gradually phased meat out. It wasn't mm-hmm. like one day I was like, I'm vegetarian now. It was just right. like, I stopped buying red meat. 
Right. And then I stopped buying chicken. Right. And then I was only buying turkey. And then I was just like, I'm not eating the turkey. Yeah. And so then it was just like, that's what my research is all about. It's about people's food journeys, literally. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is, I mean, almost everybody who I interview and talk to casually, that's, you know, very few people are like, today I'm a vegetarian. Right. Everyone goes through this sort of transition period where they're, you know, moving from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. And maybe I might talk to you in two years and be like, I just had a really great burger. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, it's been, it's been probably 12 years, but, um, I don't have, it, it just happened. Right. You know, as opposed to me trying to make it happen. But again, right. I don't know who I'm going to be in two right, years right. and I might really start enjoying Chick-fil-A nuggets again. Right. I don't know, yeah. like, <laughs> but I love the space. Um, do you find that there in your work, like when you're helping people, do you find that there's a lot of resistance to adapting food as opposed to maybe making emotional tweaks? Like, do you find that there's one is less resistant or more resistant than the other? No, they tend to work hand in hand, you know, and again, that's kind of why I take a very holistic approach because usually people's food things are related to emotional things. Yes. So I was hoping people, you said that. <laughs> helping people work through their, through whatever the emotional thing is so they can get to the food thing or, yeah. you know, make a different choice. But either way, if it's somebody who has a serious health issue and they really need to, to shift their diet fairly quickly um, or fairly dramatically, um, a lot of times there's a lot of emotional I mean, any kind of change at all, good or bad, can mm-hmm. create stress. Yeah. Um, but especially if there's, you know, some sort of emotional um, baggage that comes with how people eat or why they choose to eat or, you know, um, denying their identity or, or a whole, you know, all kinds of different things that come up. Um, yeah. There's always a relationship. I wouldn't say that one thing is more than the other. They're always working hand in hand. What do you think about, like, I, I believe that the energy or the belief that goes into, bef- that we infuse and in, cause you know, infuse into something before mm-hmm. we consume mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. makes a huge difference in the way we process food. So for example, people will say like, maybe they're eating a, a piece of chocolate. Right. I really shouldn't be eating this. Right. And then they put it in their mouth. Right. And then the next thing you know, their stomach is feeling some kind of way. Yeah. And in their mind, they've decided it's because they shouldn't be eating chocolate. Yeah. No, I think there's a ton of power about that. And that's, again, that same video that I was just talking about. I talked all about, you know, the power of intention, the intention with which animals are killed, mm-hmm. um, the ways in which they're killed and how that shifts the energy um, in them and how we can think about how we're consuming energy. Um, I also, um, yeah, I, as a plant-based chef, as someone who cooks for people almost every day, um, I spend a lot of time discerning what I listen to when Mm -hmm. I'm cooking, because I believe that whatever Mm -hmm. I'm making, the energy that I am embodying is the energy that I'm putting into the food. So like, I am very, um, mindful about listening to music that makes me feel good. I'm very mindful about listening to podcasts that I really enjoy that are uplifting to keeping my energy and my vibe high so Mm -hmm. that I'm putting all of those really high vibes and good energy into the food, because I believe that that makes a difference. I do believe that the energy with which people cook 
actually changes the taste. Oh, I I, that one of the I'm reasons why you. I make good food is because I make a really huge effort to be in a fantastic mood when I cook. And I believe that I can taste when the chef has, is in a bad mood or doesn't want to cook, cook, right? If you don't want to cook, your food's not going to be good because you're miserable because you don't like cooking. You know, I believe that. Oh my goodness. That gave me soul pimples because I'm always saying like, um, and I'm not, I'm not formally trained, but I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm a pretty good cook. And I always am saying when people like, oh my God, this is so good. And I'm like, love is the secret ingredient. Yes, absolutely. Love is the secret ingredient. And you know, it's interesting, um, interesting that you cook for people because I'm really selective. I I don't cook for people that I don't love or like. (laughs) I mean, I only do if they're paying me, right? So, but but also like for me, a, a sign that I really, like if I really like someone, like, I will cook for you. Me right? too. To me, that's like bigger than having sex. Like me too. I'm like, I'm, I have sex with you before I will cook for you. Right? You are like, like my soulmate, Hillary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm exactly. People think that's strange, and that's I'm like, so there are people that I won't invite to my house, and I'm definitely not cooking for you. Yeah. And if I loved you, and I'm feeling uncertain about the relationship, the food stops. Yep. Yes. The food, the food stops. Yes, I'm the same way. I'm like, and I have a thing now where I'm like, we need to get to know each other before I can cook for you. Yep. <laughs> yep. Look, you were like my soulmate because I am so like that. I once dated a guy and I used to really, I used to cook for him a lot at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And then it like some years went by and, and it wasn't a committed relationship, but mm-hmm. some years went by and he was like, you never cook for me. And I was like, hmm. Because I started feeling different. Right. So right. I stopped doing it because I wasn't feeling as enamored. Yep. I was not feeling as secure in the experience. And consequently, I stopped doing one of the most loving things because for me, it's, a, right. it's an act of love. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's one of those things too, where when I have the thought, I want to cook for that person, like, oh boy. Right? Uh-oh. Oh man. You know, look, now I'm having some light bulbs about some current situations. Thanks for because yeah. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing for me. I definitely, yeah. Um, yeah. oh my goodness. Look, I'm so grateful for Biba. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, you're going to love Hillary. <laughs> like, she's, she's right. <laughs> she knows. She's very smart. <laughs> no, that's so great. I, yeah. You know, and it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about consciously I hadn't I always turn on especially when I cook in the morning I mm-hmm. always turn on music or a podcast mm-hmm. or something while I'm cooking right. and it really hadn't occurred to me what I was actually why I was doing yeah. that yeah yeah and I never listened to I don't want to hear any sad song this certain no. like the no. blues do not come no. in the kitchen with me no no it needs to be something up tempo I I am particularly fond of 80s uh, music Nice. <laughs> yes. That was such a great era of music. It yes. was very diverse era of music. Yeah, it was very diverse. Yeah. So I love listening to the eighties while yeah. I'm cooking. It's a, and, awesome. and soundtracks while I'm eating. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Like I can't, I don't like to, my, my daughter has a thing. She either needs to watch family guy while she's mm-hmm. eating or she has to listen to classical, but like we don't listen okay. to music with words while we're eating. Right. 
like, but music that evokes emotion because classical right. and movie scores make you right. feel everything really powerfully. Absolutely. Um, so again, hadn't really made that connection, but it's a thing at my house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Look, you are just so insightful. <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like my... um my my neurons are just having a fucking party. Because <laughs> there are like so many explosions. I'm like, oh my God, that's good. That's good. Well, now let's have like some aftercare. Okay. Like how do you how do you like to be taken care of after sex? Um like I'm a food person. I love to eat after mm-hmm. sex. Like I love to eat and I love to drink after sex too. Like, but something maybe like I love wine, right? Mm-hmm. I love drinking wine, but after sex, I don't want wine. Mm-hmm. I want like a really cold beer. Yeah. Or I want like a bourbon or mm-hmm. a rum, like something that's just, and like smoke a cigar or something like that. You know, like mm-hmm. I want, I like those rich, deep, Again, it's the dopamine responses, mm-hmm. right? So like those things that elicit those dopamine responses. So it's like chocolate and rum and cigar and like rich, you know, richness and just something that's really, and I like, you know, just softness mm-hmm. and like putting my head in the person's lap or having him put his head in my lap, but like, like real, like still very sensual and visceral mm-hmm. um, and just real chill. Mm. that's the kind of aftercare I like you know I I I don't drink very much grain alcohol Mm -hmm. I mean aside from beer but Mm -hmm. I mean like you know but I I love the taste of like bourbon or on a on the other person's mouth oh so that's no look that's a whole that's a whole oh god that's a whole other thing yeah I I love that I'm like every once in a while I just want a little sip it's not something that I would do regularly Mm -hmm. but no yeah. The, it's like, a again, different experience. The, the bourbon or the rum and the cigar. Yeah. That, like I, I have a trail of men, right? That, <laughs> right. That that's their, that's their thing. And just that smell. It's funny. I have a friend who owns a shop and there was, and, and there's this, it's kind of like a manly shop. And um, there was this lotion in there and it was called Dirt rum tobacco, mm. right? And I was like, like I I'm, to, I'm already experiencing. That. I had to have it. And this friend, he was like, "That is you." I was like, "Yes, <laughs> it is." Thank you very much. I'm going to wear this every day. But it, and it just like evoked. And it was like that thing, dirt rum tobacco. It, like, yeah, you were like, definitely really earthy. I'm very because those are very yes. earthy, yeah, very tangible. Yes, smells. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Okay, so this wasn't a question, but now I have to ask because you're so in tune with yourself. So in terms of like vibrators and Mm -hmm. voices, Mm -hmm. do you prefer falsetto or Barry White? Um, Definitely Barry White. Yeah, me too. Deep, I'm definitely a deep voice. Because again, that's the, that's the, yeah. the earth. Yep. <laughs> and, it, and it doesn't, I mean, and it doesn't have to be like 
very white. Yeah. You know, but but it, there more has to on be that a certain spectrum. Right, yeah. There has to be a certain, it's more even about than pitch, it's more about timber. Like mm. there, there's a certain um, consistency or structure mm-hmm. of tone. Yeah. Yeah. That, that I prefer. Like literally, if I talk to someone and I don't like his voice, he's out. He can be the most interesting, like that's really important to me. I can be the most interesting person in the world, but if I don't like his voice, I'm not going to listen to him for that long. Yeah. Like I'm really sensitive to voices. So when I find someone that I have, when, and you could have a really nice voice and not be as interesting, I'd be like, just keep talking to me. Yes, like you are like my soul soul sister from another mother because I have the same thing. Like there are certain voices, even online, like certain people in the online space that I really love their content, but I can only read what they write. I can't watch them on video or listen to them on audio because the pitch of their voice is like it doesn't resonate with my frequency. And I mean, literally I have, there's a specific place in my body where I have, your voice has to resonate with that space in my body. And if you don't reach that place, I can't listen to your, like, it's, I'm just not going to be turned on. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Yeah. Like it's literally, I can like literally, like, I know, know I know what exactly you're <laughs> where that space is. Like I know the, what you're like talking about. In the middle of my chest or just a little bit below my chest. And I have to hear, when you speak, I have to feel that place move. And if, mm. if that place does not move when you speak, it's not going to happen. Yeah. No, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. I know exactly. Look, I, I've never met anyone else that got it <laughs> like you get it. Because people think it's crazy. And I'm like, you don't understand. Yeah. It, it really is like, you can feel it. You can feel yeah. it. Like, and there's yeah. if the voice is too up here. Yep. Like I, I, I don't like buzz, you know, I'm yeah. not into vibrators anyway, but I don't yeah. like buzz. It has to rumble. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is, yeah. it has yeah. to be more of a, it has to have yeah. depth. I don't enjoy music very much that doesn't have a baseline. It's very mm-hmm. difficult for me to mm-hmm. enjoy music that doesn't mm-hmm. have, even if it's, it doesn't have to be a drum, but it has to yeah. be some instrument that right. has, has some depth to a it. Percussion, or, yeah. Yep. Or I can't enjoy it. Yeah. And, and interesting, I went camping not long ago and there was, I listened to a lot of Latin music mm-hmm. and I, I didn't hate it, but I couldn't really enjoy it long-term and when I sat with it, I was like, why is it that I can't enjoy this? Part of it was the most of most of the singers that they were playing had very high pitched voices uh-huh. and the instruments didn't have enough depth. Yeah. That two combined. Yeah. I was like, you know, after a while, I was like, this is just kind of fucking agitating, actually. Yeah. That I couldn't really enjoy it. Yeah. Look, you are just all of the things. <laughs> <laughs> I've enjoyed you so much. I've enjoyed this as well. Thank you so much. I can't can't wait to listen to this because I need to listen as a listener so I can take notes. All right. Like, I feel like there was so many gems and so much. Yeah, this was a lot of fun. Thank you so much. So much texture, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Look, people like us will get what that means. (laughs) Yes, that's right. And if other people don't, it's okay. Exactly. It's okay. Exactly. We all are here to have the experience that resonates with our frequency. That is correct. Yep. Absolutely. Looks looks smooth or rough. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) However it may be. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much. 
The Sensuality Project is produced, edited, and hosted by me. Music by bensound.com. The Sensuality Project podcast is a production of stacyherrera.com.